Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is your good friend, the very esteemed and well-travelled Clarence Copernicus Cloverleaf, welcoming you to another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon. You can always feel free to call in at 602-753-1883 to ask a question to the host or any of his well-established guests. Just please remember when calling in to be on your best behavior. This is a G-rated show, you know. Hey, that was a wicked rhyme. Anywho, just be sure to be kind and courteous. Now, on to the main event. Hello to all our dear listeners. This is your spokesman with a plan, Clarence Cloverleaf, coming to you after somewhat of an absent spell, as since December of 2018, I've been sailing around the world. From Italy to Canada, I've been making my way across this beautiful land of ours, searching for new meaning to an older existence. I'm happy to say I'm back now, and here to let you in on some stuff going on as of late. In mid-2018, the Cloverleaf Radio Network expanded to include our friends Josh and Ariana over at Night Moves Radio. It's been a splendid partnership, and Jimmy, Jane, and I are happy to welcome them to the family. They also brought along Soul Stories, which features inspiring poetry, read by the author herself, Ariana Cherry. We've been brought onto many new networks, including Anchor, the ASY Podcasting Network, WordPress, Podbean, even iHeartRadio. We've also started a fresh new YouTube page, as well as updating our Twitter blog talk radio and expanding our network to new segments more radio reunions all news guests and so much more also the cloverleaf radio network jimmy ariana and josh will be appearing upcoming at two conventions silcon and dark history con all righty we are back for another exciting edition of cloverleaf radio i'm the host of the most jimmy falcon and it's always an honor to welcome back David Lipper. How's it going, David? Hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, doing pretty good here in Illinois. How's things out of your way? It's hot. It's hot and sunny here in L.A., California. Actually, I'm in Sherman Oaks, which is even hotter. Just the valley side. It seems like that can happen. Uh, I I don't know why I never decided to ask you about this, but being that you were born in Montreal and, and grew up in Canada, how, I mean, how different and how the same is that life in Canada versus life in the United States? I'm sure there's a lot of same and there's some differences. Well, the thing is, like, when you look at Canada, just like you look at America, you have to look at it from east to west. So people in New York are very different from people in L.A. or Texas or Colorado. So in the same token, you look at Canada. So if you kind of line up the provinces with the states, you'll probably find the people in Texas, uh, like Dallas, and people in Calgary, Alberta, they probably have a lot more in common than a lot of other people from the same country. Um, I think people in Toronto 
and New York may have a lot more in common than people from other states would with New Yorkers. So you kind of look at it from east to west like that, and Canada is really just like a bunch of states in, in a sense. So, um, you know, uh, their Canadians are very different in different parts of Canada. And then especially with the French Canada, you know, you've got the whole province of Quebec is a French-speaking province right. versus the rest, yeah, versus the rest of Canada, which is an English-speaking country, and um, yeah, so it's all different. But you know, what are the differences between Canadian and American? There's not a whole lot. Uh, if there are ever two nations that are so closely tied that you know they could be one and the same, it's Canada and America. So you're sitting here and telling me that you guys uh, that Canada has rednecks. <laughs> they have their version. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely wow. do. You know, there there's a lot of Canadians. By the way, it's funny. Like there's all this. Obviously, there's a lot of news happening oh, yeah. right now about gun, about gun control, and you've got Canadians that love their guns. Just uh, like I said, uh, if you go out west, uh, it'll be very similar to being like in Texas. Um, they love their hunting, they love their guns, and they probably have more guns per capita um, than even in most of America. So, um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, we all believe, you I know, mean, anyone who's socially conscious believes in we should have some kind of gun control, um, you know, and at the same time, people should have the freedom to be able to hunt and stuff, and then that's where it just gets tricky. Somehow it all works in Canada. I don't know how to explain this because they have plenty of guns in Canada, but they're not like dishing out automatic weapons and any. Well, they're not using them. I mean, for the way that they're using them for hunting. For the way that Americans. Yeah. So I think the big issue is automatic weapons, and the big issue is kind of how crazy it gets here with the guns. And um, so, like I said, you got a lot of guns in Canada, and yet we don't seem to have the same issues that are happening here in America. And so there probably should be kind of a parallel study there saying why, what's going on exactly, what are the Canadians doing that we're not doing, uh, because there's no shortage of guns in Canada, that I can tell you. Um, so if there's no shortage of guns there, then what's the problem? Then so what what are, what are they not doing? And and this is the part, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm what's called a moderate. So I identify with a lot of things from both parties, and there's a lot of things I don't identify with in both parties. And um, you know, this is one of those things I just don't get. I just don't understand why having some form of background check, some form of gun control, uh, it freaks people out. And it's like, you know, keep the guns, but let's find a responsible way to do it. And yet somehow that has become a really hot topic here. You know, it gets to a paranoid state of they're going to take our guns away. And I don't really know why. Why why the Democrats haven't been able to to find a way to pass a gun control bill that doesn't freak everybody out uh, and maybe it's just a great job that the that the gun lobbyists do of freaking everybody out and saying they're going to take our guns um, but uh, you know at some point we got to find some common sense common ground um, you know 
there's got to be a way for there to be some guns and it doesn't get to the point that it's been. Now, I don't know what the answer is, to be quite honest, but I know that people need to start listening a little more and maybe screaming a little less, and maybe we'll get something done. That was kind of what the point I was getting at was they have the weapons, but, I mean, they use them, but it seems like people in America, a lot of people go, well, you don't need an AK-47 to go hunting, which is true. You know, why Why should right. the average yeah. average Joe should not have an AK-47 or, you know, any kind of assault rifle, anything besides a shotgun or a pistol for, uh, you know, your personal safety or if you're a hunter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, or just some common sense background checks to make sure that someone who's mentally ill is not buying a gun. Right. You know, there's got to be a way to do that a little better. Let's just say that. And, uh, and hopefully they will, because I think we've all seen enough of these things. Um, and, uh, especially when we feel like there's a way to prevent this a little better. Yeah. Especially with the, the two happening in one day, it, it's a very trying time. And I think you're right when maybe we should call on our, our brothers from up North and, and try to see what they're doing. Right. And we're not doing it. Yeah. Now, having said that, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of talk amongst the Democrats right now in the debates about the Canadian Medicare system, uh, about free medical care. And I know the good side and the bad side on that as a Canadian. I mean, I I have a friend, really a good old friend, who almost died sitting in the uh, emergency room because they're just so lined up and backed up that um, he sat there for four or five hours with a burst appendix, if you can believe that. And they just didn't think it was serious enough to rush him in because they prioritize, you know, with the really important stuff because the amount of people sitting there is just crazy. And that's one of the downfalls with free medical care for all in that way, in that system, is that uh, you could – spend nine months waiting for an appointment to see a specialist for something quite important. Mm-hmm. And you could sit in a hospital all night waiting to see a doctor at the ER. So um, there are pros and cons. It's not black and white. And then, you know, I think that's also something people need to be a little more tolerant and patient of is understanding that the reason why some of these issues have not been fully resolved is they're not black and white. And if it's not black and white, and it's not that easy to resolve, which maybe if we can even start just accepting that, then maybe can, people can understand the word compromise and uh, and saying, you know, if, if we actually do a good compromise, both sides are unhappy. You know, you do a really good deal, both sides are not happy, but both sides are not miserable. That's kind of the way this whole system was supposed to work and where I feel like it used to work when I first moved here in 91, I felt like we had a much better system of at least the moderate voices having a voice um, between Democrats and Republicans. And now I feel like both sides are just playing to the, to the extreme left and right. And it's a scary time for moderates like myself because, um, because I feel like, both sides need each other, and I, and they're missing that. They're missing that 
that idea that, that they need that middle side, you know? In other words, there is, there is that middle ground that is the sweet spot, which we used to hit. You know, the Republicans would push the Democrats a little to the right and where they needed to often. And the, and the Democrats would move the Republicans to the left where they needed to often. And somehow there'd be a balance. And um, this is the first time since I've been in America. And that's, like I said, I moved here in 1991, that I've seen just this gigantic partisanship machine happening. And uh, it's a little scary. It's a little scary because I don't like the fringes on either side. And, um, and I don't know what, how this gets resolved um, unless somehow the parties uh, pull up their pants and say, you know what, this is not in the interest of the people. This is not in the interest of the country for us to just be playing to our bases uh, on the extreme left and on the extreme right. And let's try and do a little better here to work together. I don't know. It's going to take some serious leadership to pull that off. And, uh, and I don't know if we have that right now. Holy cow. This is, I feel like Rush Limbaugh. This is Rush Limbaugh and we're on the yard. Political talk. <laughs> I know oh, it got God. political. That's crazy. Well, you know, it's it's a political climate right now. We got all these bloody debates with the 252 Democrats running for for president. It's hard to keep track of anything else right now. Well, I know I wanted to get into your newest, uh, some of the newest things you have out. You have uh, a couple of posts, and you did stuff. You've been going crazy for years. Uh, so tell everyone yeah, what's your, I, some of your newest uh, stuff you've been working on. Great. Let's talk about me. <laughs> um, there's a lot of great stuff coming. I'm really, really excited. And uh, when I have dates, I'll be sure to jot you a note and let you know what's happening when. But I've got um, a bunch of movies coming out. One is called Underdogs Rising. It's um, an esports movie. Um, so esports has kind of taken the world by storm. Uh, this is the new, uh, I guess, competitive games for kids these days is rather than go out and have a basketball game or a football game or a soccer game, it's a video game. And, um, and there are these teams that compete on a huge level. And in this movie, uh, gigantic stadium level, um, competing for millions of dollars. Um, and this is actually going on. This is this is a big, big business where some of these teams are are bankrolled with millions and millions of dollars from sponsorships and coaches, and um, and they compete and they train all day and they compete. And this is about an underdog team that competes to the finals. And um, I think it'll come out in early 2020. But uh, when I have a date, I'll tell you. Another movie I did is called Painted Beauty directed by Rob Fryer, and it stars uh, uh, a bunch of really, really strong, good actors that you would probably know, um, with people like uh, Kevin McNally, who's been in all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Him and I are kind of the comic relief in this movie as a couple of bumbling detectives. Um, but Claire Holt is the lead. Um, who people may know from Vampire Diaries and I think 
40 meters down at whatever that shark movie was called with Mandy Moore. Um, you've got Bai Ling. You've got Bar Pally. You've got Clifton Collins. Clifton Collins or Clifton Collins Jr. as he's known, um, who is one of those great character actors and is amazing on Westworld if you watch the show. Um, so he he plays the serial killer uh, and is chilling in, in this film. So I see I, I foresee that coming out in early 2020 as well. Um, and then I shot a, a thriller uh, called Deception about a, a teenage boy who stalks, an 18-year-old boy who stalks um, this high school girl and her mother and um, the, the husband and the father. Um, so actually a good guy for a change, playing just a good, straight, wholesome, good dad and husband guy. Um, so that should be out well, That should be out this year, uh, and I'll let you know about that. And I just wrapped on my latest film on Friday. Um, and uh, it may be my favorite movie ever. And it's called, uh, it's called Reboot Camp. And it stars myself as the lead um, with Kelly Price and Maya Stoyan and then some veteran comic guys like David Koechner and um, Ed Begley Jr., Eric Roberts and his wife play themselves and do a hysterical uh, cameo. Um, Chaz Bono um, shares Sonny and Cher's son uh, is has a great part in this. Um, Lindsay Shaw, I think, in a comeback from uh, when she was the villain on Pretty Little Liars. Pearson Foday, who's famous from uh, Bold and the Beautiful. Eddie McClintock. I mean, the cast is huge. I, I even have Jeruel. In a in a really funny bit uh, with me, uh, so um, that movie I think is going to be gigantic. That is going to be probably the funniest thing I've ever done, and you know I've done a lot of comedy, going back of course to Full House, and even uh, recently Fuller House. So I'm really really excited about this movie, and uh, I will keep you informed on that one. But uh, that I also foresee is a is an early 2020 release, and of course my horror movie The Unwilling is on Amazon right now. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, it's free, and uh, it's a movie I wrote and starred in, and uh, you know it is a low budget horror movie, but I'm proud of it nonetheless. Um, for that genre, I think we did a pretty good job, and. Um, and it's a fun little watch if you're into horror movies. Occasionally. Yeah. I, try to, I try to watch a lot of comedies because uh, I do love a good nitty-gritty horror film. But I, all of, for, for many years, I felt that the world is, is pretty sad and uh, dramatic and horrible as it is. So I 90% of the movies I have are comedies. But I definitely do check out horror films. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, it's so much fun being back in a comedy. And, you know, I started in comedy, and it's it's like all of the 90s. That's, what I, that's all I did. You know, I've probably shot 100 episodes of, of comedy television. And so I don't know how these shifts happen. You know, I like I liked that the industry finds me versatile and will give me everything from the leading man to a comic character, to uh, to a rapist and a killer, 
I'm being great. You know, I want to play all these different roles. But my sweet spot that I love is comedy. And so uh, the the gift for me this year was getting to, to star in a, in a comedy again. Um, so I'm really excited about Reboot Camp. So keep your eyes out for that one. That one is going to be really, really, really good. And it's a mockumentary-style movie like Best in Show or Spinal Tap or one of those. So, you know, those are uh, having Ed Begley. He's a veteran of those kinds of movies. Um, having Ed Begley for that was amazing. And um, and the movie's just really funny. I play a, I play a French Canadian guy, so I'll just leave it at that. And let, you'll have to watch the rest to see how it all unfolds. And uh, I noticed there is a website if anybody wants a short description. It is therebootcamp.net. You know that's total. I'm gonna look it up as you're saying that. I didn't even know that. Of the rebootcamp.net. Hold on. Let me see if that if that's it. I know that we have. A it looks like a great movie, so I, <laughs> I hope it's yours. All right. I didn't even know we had a website up yet. You know that is not something from my department. But the rebootcamp.net. Dot net. Oh, that's us. So hold on. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Look at that. This is it. It looks like look just the, the plot looks really interesting. Yeah, so the plot – so let me just – I'll give you the brief uh, synopsis. So um, I play a guy named Seymour Barr who uh, his wife uh, – in this case, my wife is played by Maxime Roy, or Maxim Roy, as she calls herself in America. Uh, she's a pretty famous Quebec uh, actress. So um, she leaves me, if you can believe that, for a self-help guru after blowing through all our money on a bunch of self-help gurus. And, um, and just kind of reeling from this, I decide, you know what, I'm going to become one of these guys. And my brother Danny, played by Kelly Price, he ends up uh, he, being a filmmaker, he's like, I'll shoot it and we'll document it. We'll make a documentary about it. And so these guys stage a documentary uh, to see what happens when they create this character, Gordon Saint-Pierre, and see what happens when he starts his own cult. And, um, you know, it wasn't even supposed to be a cult. It was supposed to be a self-help group, but it turns into a full-blown cult. And all these celebrities start coming, and then it becomes something so big they don't know how to stop it. Um, and hence the comedy. So that's the movie in a nutshell. Um, director is busy editing it right now, and um, you know there will be a cut really soon. So I'm excited. Very awesome. I can't wait. I guess uh, final question: Since you have played, you've played the the boyfriend, the boy next door, the bad guy. What role haven't you played or character haven't you played that you would like to in the future? Wow. Who have I not played? Uh, I have not played a doctor, if you can believe that. So I have not played a doctor. I would love to do that at one point. Why not? And I've played a lawyer before, but I really love playing, uh, playing lawyers. Um, for like a legal drama. I only did it once with um, with that Joe Michael Hayes. Um, 
So I would love to do that again. Let's say lawyer and doctor in terms of what kind of guy, in terms of vocation, is something I'd certainly love to play. And, uh, you know, I love playing a rock and roll star, if, if you could call it that when I was on Full House. I think we should we should have a bring back Viper in the band uh, hashtag or something. I think we were called Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets. Maybe we should bring the yeah. band back to the finale of Full, Fuller House. Those are good times. It, it just is so interesting. I didn't want to bring up a question about it because we've talked about it in the past, but being that the original Full House uh, was on in my childhood instead of before I was born, the fact that you know, even before Fuller House started, the love has always been there for it. So I think that's why everyone uh, remembers those those characters because they've all meant so much to us over the years. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I did, I think I did five episodes, you know, on Full House, and um, people really remembered that character. I mean, it's still a lot of episodes, but, like, people remember that character so vividly uh, as such a integral part of the series. And, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of fans from that and a lot of people who reach out to me because of it. So there's, I have nothing but positive things to say about Full House. And especially, you know, so young in my career, it was really a great thing that happened to me. And I kind of got lucky from that cast in that I got some of the benefits of that, but I also didn't get some of the um, negative parts of that and I think it was tough for a bunch of the cast after the show to be looked at for anything else, you know, uh, when you're on a big, big, big hit like that. And you have to understand in those days, you know, you look at the biggest hits on TV today, they don't get anywhere near the numbers that we were getting on Full House back in those days when there were less channels. Right. And, uh, you know, that lineup of sitcoms just cleaned up um, with household ratings. So, you know, so many people were watching it that um, it was tough for a lot of those sitcom stars to transition to other stuff. And you had people like Ted Danson, for certainly Stamos, did lots of stuff post Full House. But I think it was tough for a lot of the cast. So um, it was a real blessing when Fuller House came back for some of those people to to get right back to, you know, starring on the show again. You know, and for me, I've been one of these weird journeymen that just, and not stop working, just just keep working, and yet never got too big or too known in any one of these shows that I couldn't be seen as something else. So I, I guess I'm almost, weirdly enough, even though I've been in the leading man enough times, it's like I'm still, I guess, one of these character actors that's just different in so many movies. You know, everything from the gay Nazi in Exodus of Shanghai to... Um, Mr. Yeah. Wright and DJ and Take, yeah, uh, you know, um, from comedy to drama to mockumentary to you name it. So, you know, what haven't I done that I want to do? I've done a lot of different stuff. Uh, I'm I'm really blessed, and uh, I guess I just I can just keep going like this, and people want to keep hiring me for different kinds of roles. I'll be quite happy. So I think a gay Nazi would say, hi. Yeah, there's nothing. (laughs) Well, we're going to get disconnected. We're getting yelled at by the animatronic British voiceover lady that exists only on (laughs) Blossom Radio. 
But thank you so very much, David, for coming back. Uh, you've given me a lot of great interviews, and I really appreciate everything. Great to hear you're still kicking butt out there, and I cannot wait to see reboot movies. No, no problem. Anytime, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. You got Have it. Have a great night. Bye. You too. Oh, that's so annoying. I wish you guys heard that. Like, I, it has been a while, but I went back and have listened to an old show that I did like five, six years ago, and I finally figured out that thankfully you guys don't hear that because when we have less than a minute, it starts going 90 seconds, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, and then we're technically off air, but we still uh, record for a few minutes over. Um, so some of the stuff we got coming up, on August 16th, we welcome over 40 years as lead singer of Helix, Brian Vollmer. August 20th, Italian-American actor Vito D'Ambrosio. August 26th, at 1 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, the return of Eliza Snyder. And, of course, 2019 Silcon, September 6th and 7th at Cross Bay Mall, Nashville, Illinois. 2019 Dark History and Horror Con, October 26th and 27th, 2019 at the City Center in Champaign, Illinois. SoCon is a free event, but for uh, info on that and for tickets to Dark History Con and the info on update guests on Dark History Con, check out dhhcon.com or silkcon.com. We will be back on the 16th, probably not before, but you never know. We didn't know we were going to be back for this one, but that's how it is on full release. I appreciate you all for listening as always, and a big thanks again to David Lipper for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great night.